Good morning. I know that you have already experienced incredible worship at Jersey Village today, and now it's time for the teaching and preaching of God's Word. I want to encourage you to go ahead and take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 23. This is where we are going to begin this new series today we're calling Words in Red, Seven Last Sayings from the Cross. You know, whenever someone is speaking their last words, you tend to lean in. Last words have a depth to them. They have staying power, if you will. You don't forget them. Last words are significant and meaningful. We hang on to them and hold tightly to them, and rightly so. Well, this series is all about the last words of Jesus spoken from the cross. These words are in red, not simply to set his teachings and sayings apart from others in scripture, but also because they represent the red blood of Jesus poured out on the cross. And so I wanna pray for you, Jersey Village, and then campus pastor Avery Lamell is gonna open up God's word and proclaim his truth to us today as we look at this first of seven sayings from the cross Christ. This is a series that's going to take us all the way up to Easter, and I hope you will begin praying about who you can invite to join you for Easter at Champion Forest. The countdown is on, and we begin right now. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you for today, the opportunity to worship together, and now we open up your word. We pray that you would speak to us, help us to apply your truth to our lives, and may we leave here a changed people. In Jesus' name, amen. heard from our senior pastor, we thank God that we have the opportunity to usher in this new series as we look at Jesus Christ's words from the cross. I invite your attention to that 23rd chapter of Luke. Would you turn your copy of God's word to the 23rd chapter of Luke and your reading will begin at the 33rd verse. The 23rd chapter of Luke beginning at verse 33. Word of God reads, And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified Jesus and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. We're going to repeat verse 34 again. And Jesus said from the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. It is a word of forgiveness. The first word that is spoken from the cross of Calvary. In fact, as you look up and you see the cross that uh, is behind me, I want to invite you to put on some sandals and join me at the foot of the cross. For it's on this Friday where our Savior has now made it through a kangaroo court. Uh, he has been falsely charged. He has been falsely accused. And now the innocent is being treated as the guilty. And there he is on the cross of Calvary. I want you to, to come closer as you can hear him and see him as he's already made it through an evening of torment and emotional and physical agony as he was flogged and scourged. And now his beaten, mangled body, blood, sweat, tears, are now laid against the cross. It is 
what one writer calls a messianic massacre. And he's there not because of his wrongdoing, for Christ has not sinned, has done anything wrong, but he's there because of his love for us. He's there because of our wrongdoing. And if you lean in real close, you, you, you'll hear his words as he's parting his lips in response to the ridicule, in response to being beaten, in response, uh, he gives proclamation to his, his pain. And listen to what he says. Listen clearly. And note what he doesn't say. Note how he doesn't turn his attention to his critics. He doesn't turn his attention to the criminals. He, he doesn't turn his attention to the soldiers that are gambling for his garments at the foot of the cross. He doesn't turn his attention to the Roman authorities. He doesn't turn his attention to the Jewish authorities who are responsible for masquerading this whole um, incident. He doesn't turn his attention to those who have offended him. But in the midst of the struggle, in the midst of the pain where, where it took, it caused pain even for him to, to gather his breath enough to speak. Listen, before to what he says, look at who he speaks to. The first word that is uttered from the lips of our Savior from the cross is Father. Please, please understand this. He, he turns his attention to our Heavenly Father. I hope you get this because this is the message, the ministry, and now is being modeled by our Savior as he's on the cross, that his message is a message of forgiveness. His ministry has been a ministry of forgiveness. When he came, he came forgiving. You might remember in his spiritual resume as he was making his way through the Galilean seashore, he was there forgiving sins. The man who was laying down, paralytic man, at the pool of Bethesda, when Christ came, he wasn't looking for Christ, he didn't ask for Christ. But Christ saw him in his condition, healed him in his condition, told him to pick up his mat. He told him, and then that man went into the temple to worship Christ. And then Christ saw him and said, your sins are forgiven. Christ came forgiving sins. He came forgiving sins for the woman who was caught in the issue of adultery. There she was. Uh, she was caught and she was deemed guilty by everyone. But Christ sent them all away. And when he spoke to her, he spoke words of forgiveness. Who condemns you? And he says, neither do I. He came speaking forgiveness. Oh, not, not only speaking forgiveness, but he came modeling forgiveness. And now at the cross... He models for us what is expected of us as children of God, and that is to be forgiving. Amen. Do you see it? He says, Father. He, he turns to the Father. Because whenever you're in a place where, where people have, have hurt you and caused you harm unjustly, whenever you're in a place where you've been offended and ridiculed, whenever you're in a place where you, don't, you didn't deserve what is happening to you, but it didn't stop it from happening to you, if you have been bought by the grace of God, when you have been touched and gripped by God's amazing grace, it is incumbent upon you to do what the Savior is doing right here in this text, and that is you too are to, 
to forgive. Oh, I admit, I admit, I admit. It's easy to receive. It's hard to repeat. But he's calling us to see what he has done for us from the cross. Jesus maintains an awareness of his father's presence no matter what he experienced. He speaks to his heavenly father in the midst of those who are hurting him. Please understand the context. For in this context, our Savior is being crucified. He's in the process of being crucified. He's received the nails in his hands and the nails in his feet. He's experiencing every level of human pain there is to experience. And instead of turning his attention against his offenders, he turns his attention higher. He reaches higher than the hands of those that were hatefully handling him. He reaches higher to the attention of his father when pain Problems, pressures, predicaments are, are prominent and peers are prohibited and even your own strength is limited. There is one you can always call on who remains personal and present and that is our Heavenly Father. That's who he calls on. For Jesus in calling on him teaches us that God remains close to those who trust in him. And let me teach us for a moment because the nearness and closeness of God is not conditioned on the circumstances or by the circumstances that you may find yourselves in. For Jesus Christ, our Savior, is in a precarious predicament. He is in a, a painful setting. He's receiving what he did not deserve, and yet God is still near him. That's why he calls on his father the same way David knew in Psalm 23 and 4, where David said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. I need to speak to you for a moment because sometimes we try, to, to, we fall victim in believing that God is not with us just because we go through difficult seasons in life. Sometimes we, we believe in our hearts that, that God is far from us just because of what we are going through. But what the text helps us realize is that through Jesus Christ's testimony on the cross is that no matter what you're going through, when your trust is in Almighty God, when you know God for yourself in a personal relationship with him, no pain, no problem, no predicament could ever push him away from you because he's the God who will be right there with you. David said, I, I will not fear because you are with me. My favorite psalm, Psalm 46, uh, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in times of trouble. Don't miss it. That therefore, he says, we will not fear though the earth gives way. Though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swell. Don't miss it. God is still our refuge and strength. He is a very present help mm. in times of trouble, which means trouble doesn't constitute that God is not with you. In fact, sometimes the fact that you're in trouble and you're able to determine that you're still in it while you're in trouble is a testament that God is in it with you. 
Because the truth is, some troubles, you know that there's no way you could have stood up to it, no way you could have made it through had not God been with you. Jesus, our Savior on the cross, knows who to turn his attention to. And with that, he teaches us and what it takes and, and how we're able to forgive as our Savior has forgiven us. That is, we focus on our Heavenly Father being with us. I know you, you're thinking that, well, if he's with me, like Gideon said when he was threshing wheat in the wine press, if, he, if he's with me, then, then why are all these things happening to me. If God is with me, why am I going through what I'm going through? Sometimes God allows you to go through what you're going through so he can reveal to you just how much God he is. And here our Savior is suspended between earth and heaven. Here our Savior is suffering on the cross, and he's suffering for you and I, and he turns his attention to the Father because the Father always listens to those who trust in him. In fact, I want to read to you Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43, this is what God says when it comes down to us going through all the things we go through. This is what God says. God says in Isaiah 43, verse 1, part B, he says, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by my name. You are mine, God says. When you pass through the waters, tell somebody you got to go through it. When you pass through the waters, God says, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. And when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Look at our Savior, Jesus Christ, on the cross. As he is suffering because of our sins, as he's there giving his life voluntarily for you and I, he models the message that he gave to all the believers in how we are to forgive. Because truthfully, we can't forgive to this level of our own strength. We can't do it on our own. I know, I know it for myself. I can, you know what? I can't talk for you. I can talk only for me. Because even when I try to forgive, God remind me that I can't do it on my own because I can't forgive. Forget about what they did. Okay, who am I talking to up in here? I, I can't forget about how they hurt me. I can't forget about how they backstabbed me. I can't forget about how they ridiculed me. I can't forget about how they came against me. Even the people you try to help are sometimes the same people who try to hurt you. And I can't forget it. But God said, wait a minute. You may not be able to forget that, but don't you forget how I love you and how I forgave. Oh, he, he, he. Thank you, Jesus. He, 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 he preaches. He, he prays, rather. He, he turns his conversation heavenward. And he models for us, Van, how we ought to respond as believers when we face difficult trials, ridicules, individuals who offend us. Oh, you're looking at me like you've never been offended. I see you. you you look at me, my grandma would say, just keep on living, baby. Keep on living. <laughs> but look at it. In the midst of the pain he's suffering, Christ says, Father. 
He models the very thing he taught his disciples to do when the disciples came to him. And Alan, they asked him not how to preach. They didn't ask him how to do miracles. No, they said, teach us to pray. And he told them, when you pray, say, our Father. One of the uniqueness of Christianity is that we have a God who is so personal in his relationship with us that we don't just see him as God who is the creator of the universe. We don't just see him as God who is the judge of all creation. We can get to know him through Christ as our heavenly Father. Unless you overgeneralize that, that is not for everyone, but only those who come through the Father, through Jesus Christ. Oh, look at Christ as he he models it on the cross. He talks to his Father. But then look at the request. He says, Father, forgive them. You know, initially when I was reading this, um, Anthony, I'll be honest, I I, I was trying to put myself there at the foot of the cross looking at the the battered body of our Savior, and, 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 and I wanted to say, what you say? Father, forgive. Forgive them? Forgive them. Don't don't give them what they deserve. Forgive them. Don't count the charges that they're guilty of against them. Forgive them. Treat them as though they've never done this atrocity to me, forgive them. I, it's easy to receive, isn't it? We're, we, we see his love just poured out to us when he tells, he tells the Father, he asks the Father to forgive them. Oh, but I'm coming to you in a moment. But right now he's, he's talking to the Father and he says, give them another opportunity to be treated with love. Forgive them. In fact, the same forgiveness that he is asking of the Father on the behalf of them, he actually asks of us who are his believers. Come on and scroll with me for a moment because Jesus now is backing up the ministry that he taught because in Matthew chapter 5, verse 44, check out what Jesus said to those who are following him, to those who are with him there. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 44, Jesus said, But I say to you, love your enemies. And pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good. He sends his rain on the just and the unjust. Look what he says now. He says, I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. But we got a Savior that not only says it, he backs up what he says by doing what he says. I hear Barry White telling me, practice what you preach. Here it is. This is what Jesus is saying here. This is what he's doing as he's on the cross. He is practicing what he preached. He, he told God, he, he, in front of everyone, he says, Father, forgive them. Them. Well, well, well them. Who, who, are, who are the, the them? The them, the them. Uh, them are those who, who loved him but left him. 
Them are those who walked with him where he was doing his earthly ministry. They were called his apostles. He anointed them and he called them and he used them. But when it came down, when, when, when the metal met the road, when, when, when the rubber met the road, they, they, they were nowhere to be found. Them are those who loved him and left them. He said, forgive them. Oh, but it's some more that's in the them, just in case you don't qualify just yet. He says, uh, the them are those who, who hated him and hurt him. Mm, the Roman authorities, the, the Jewish leaders, those who were jealous of Christ, those who didn't recognize Christ for who he was, those who were scandalous against him, those who betrayed him. He said, forgive them. But when you really see the Greek text, this, this forgive, this request to forgive is, is one that goes into perpetuity. It, 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 it's, it's not one that's just isolated. It's one that's in the age that Jesus speaks it, and it continues on. It, it has a continuation. It, it's almost like those movies that says to be continued, and so it, it's forgive them dot, dot, dot. Oh, you're missing it. Okay, let me see if I can come back and get you here. Um, it, it's to forgive not only those who hated and hurt them, those who didn't know him but needed him. Uh, that, that puts all of us in the camp. And Christ, when he prays from the cross, he is praying while he is hurting, while he is bleeding, while he is giving his life. He is praying for you and I, and he prays that God forgives them. Then he says it, for they know not what they do. They don't know the fullest extent, Shannon, of who they're doing it to. They, they, they don't know that this is the incarnate word. This is the Logos made sarks. This is the son of God. They, they, they don't know who they're doing it to. They, they, they thought they were just doing it to a prophet. They thought they were just doing it to a rabbi. They didn't know fully who they were doing it to. But God knew and Jesus proclaimed that if I be lifted up, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. I thank God that they didn't know because had they didn't know, then they, they, would, they probably would have stopped doing what they were doing. But God knew and God said that he was was going because greater love had no man than this that he laid down his life for his friend and Jesus did it purposely, voluntarily. He did it on his own because he did it for you and I because we're the them. He says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And so if you are the them and are a recipient of the forgiveness of God for your sins, then it's incumbent upon you to extend forgiveness to those who've sinned against you. Oh, you can get quiet if you want, but you know we are ready. We, we, we learned it when we were younger. You remember, um, our Father who art in, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy on earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread, and as we, yeah, you know it, you know it, the expectation of God is that as you receive, you give, but, 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 but if you haven't done anything to receive forgiveness, you could be excluded from this. If you haven't done anything to offend God, 
You can be excluded from this. In fact, if you're in that category, you don't even need a savior. Because a savior came to save people who've done something. And last I checked, the Bible declares all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You ought to raise your hand right there and say, you know what? I'm in that group. I may not have been in the other group, but I'm in that group right there. Because that's some stuff I did in my life. Don't look at me like that because I'm not the only one in here. That's some stuff I did in my life that I know that it's only the grace of God that got me through. It's only the mercy of God that carried me. And if God had loved you enough to forgive you from what you've done, then you too are to love those uh, who have done wrong against you. Because when, when someone offends us, when someone has hurt us, when we've experienced pain on this level, it is then to be our goal to forgive them when we know that Christ has forgiven us. Oh, let me, let me show you here. Because Christ loved us so much that he declared prior to giving his life on the cross why he was doing what he was doing. We're studying John on Wednesday nights, and um, there in that third chapter we're getting into uh, this week, that third chapter and, and the 16th verse, there's that verse that you memorize. You, you may know it where it says, for God so loved the world mm-hmm. that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Why did he do it? Because of his love for you and I. In his work, um, The Strength of Love, Dr. MLK said the ultimate measure of a man or woman is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands at times of challenge and controversy. When, When offenses happen, because they will happen, The response of a believer who's been born again, who's confessed, as 1 John 1, 9 says, that if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. If Christ has done that in your life, those who have been blood-bought by Jesus Christ, we have the responsibility, the expectation of God that we will forgive those who offend us. So here's the question. Who are the them Jesus is leading you to pray for? Mm -hmm. Uh -uh. Don't don't get this thing twisted. Not pray against. Not pray on. But who is God leading you to pray for? Because this is something I've learned in my own pilgrimage with the Lord is that you, you, you can't hate people that you pray for. Oh, you're not with me here. Uh, that, that, that when you begin to pray for them, what you're really doing is you're not letting them off the hook. You're unbinding your hands from public bitterness because the reality is unforgiveness is just me chaining myself up to the misery that comes along when I'm repeating what happened to me over and over and over and over and over again that I can't move forward because I'm stuck in the pain of the past. But Jesus said, those who call upon the Lord, who the Son has set free, is free 
indeed. So I'm free to forgive no matter what you've done to me. I'm free to love no matter what you've done to me. I'm free. Why? Because he that is in me is greater than he. I feel it now, Lord. Than he that's in the world that nothing can stop me because of God who lives inside of me. And when you see the cross, it means you've been a recipient of his loving forgiveness. When, you, when you're wearing the cross, you're, you're a recipient of his forgiveness. When some, some of you had it tatted on you, it, it ought to be a reminder of how much God has forgiven you. But don't get this thing twisted. He's forgiven you to enable you to be able to forgive somebody else. Mm. I see you. I see you. you. You're still there. You're still repeating. I know. I know. You're repeating what happened. I see you. I know. There's some painful things that have happened in our lives. There's some painful things we, don't, we dare not repeat. The people next to you won't even understand or can't even comprehend some of the stuff that you've been through. And God is challenging you on this day, today, to look at his love for you and for you then to exhibit that love for others because when you realize that God loved you before you ever loved him, he forgave you through Christ Jesus. The Bible says he demonstrated his love toward us, that while we were Yet sinners, Christ died for us. Don't miss this, that he loved you before you ever knew how to love him. And then now that he loved you, you ought to look and say, if God can love me the way he loved me, when there's some times I don't even love myself. Who am I talking to in here? When I don't even love myself, if God can do that for me, if God can look out for me, even when I wasn't looking out for myself, if God would not give up on me, even when I was on the edge about to give up for myself, then I got to go to him. And who is God calling me to? then give that love to. See, the problem is some of us, we get self-righteous. We, we act like we've always been saved. Act like you were birthed in the church. That you were saved since you were six days old. Oh, but I had your Bible next to you. I'd flip you over to Psalm 51 where, where David said that in iniquity did my mother conceive me and in sin was I brought forth. Hear me very well that we are all born in sin and shapen in iniquity. We are an object of God's wrath. And even though we were offensive to God, he chose to love us anyway. It also tells you that if someone around you doesn't have the wherewithal, to understand the value of who you are, to love you, God never stopped loving you. Which means then that based on the love you receive from God, you're able to love those who choose to not love you. Mm, Father, forgive them, he says. It hurt him to say it. It hurt him physically to say it. I want you to get this. His, his, his back is torn to sunder. He has to squeeze his diaphragm in order to even get the air out. His, his lungs is filled with inflammation. It hurts him to say it. And yet he still declares, Father, forgive them. And I see it. I know. I've lived it. Listen to me. It hurts to forgive people sometimes. 
It makes you feel like, like I'm letting them off the hook for what they've done to me. But that's when I'm only looking at me. But when I look at who, what God has done for me, what he's done for me is greater than what anyone can do to me. And so I'm able, because of his forgiveness for me, to stop living in that painful history and to step out in the destiny that he has for me and forgive others. Y'all stand all over the building. Stand all over the building. I have a special, special invitation. Somebody in here, and you know who I'm speaking to. In light of the message that Christ has given. In light of his demonstration from the cross. His prayer was for you to be forgiven. Thank you for joining us online. We hope today's experience encouraged and challenged you. At Champion Forest, we are passionate about all kinds of people coming to know God, to grow in their relationship with Him and others, and then to go out and make a difference in the world. We would love the opportunity to talk and pray with you. To connect with us, just go to championforest.org connect. And hey, of course, we can't wait to welcome you on campus, in person, on one of our locations. We'll see you soon.